So we're going into week three of our sermon series called Holy Roar, which is all about praise. So I want to kick right off with the same text we read last week, just to anchor us to uh, a psalm that is so worshipful. So if you're willing and able, would you stand in honor of reading God's word today? We're going to read Psalm 100 once again, and you can follow along on the screen. Church, hear the word of our Lord. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Would you all join me in reading verse 5? For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Oh, the word of our Lord. You can be seated. My hope is that by the end of this series, that psalm might be deeply embedded into our soul. (laughs) So let's recap where we've been as we go into a new message from the Lord this week. The first week of this series, we talked about the impact of praise, and we looked at the very interesting story in 2 Chronicles 20. In that message, we talked about how praise changes things. The people of God were literally able to fight their battles simply through their praise. We acknowledge that praise builds our faith and postures our hearts to receive the peace of God. I was thinking as I was sitting there and we were worshiping, you know, music really, really can shift the atmosphere. I I was thinking, you know, like, this is so silly. I was going back to like my dating days. Lord have mercy. You know, and if I were in a, a situation that was not pleasant, and I turned on, let's say, I don't know, Revelation song. You know, you know the song? I could sing a little diddly, but I won't. One thing would happen in my spirit. There would probably be a calmness. There would probably be a receptivity to the, to the voice of God in my heart. Valid? But you know what? If I turned on me some Carrie Underwood... I dug my key into the side of his pretty little soup. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Something different would have happened in my spirit. So you're welcome for that. I'm embarrassed. Music does things to us. And so there's value in our praise and the act of worship. That first week, we acknowledged through that story of Scripture that praise is to be positioned in the midst of our petitions. So as we're journeying with the Lord and we're asking him to meet our needs, we're praising all along the way. Worship is warfare. Last week, we began our journey learning the seven Hebrew words that describe how the people of God worshiped 
and how we are invited to do so today. I introduced us last week to two words, and we talked about how there is some struggle in the translation of scripture into English. A good example of this is that in Greek, there are four different words for love, and we translate all four of those Greek words into the one word, love. And that becomes awkward when you think about the fact that I love sushi and I love Mark Hall. Come on, y'all. That's two different types of love. Amen? (laughs) And so similarly, there are seven different words in the Hebrew language that frequently get translated into our one English word, praise. And so we're going on this journey to get a bigger picture of this biblical concept of praise. As I said last week, our hope is that we might anchor our praise as the people of God to to scripture and also kind of eliminate this notion that enthusiastic worship is just a modern charismatic movement. The truth is, it's deeply rooted in scripture and the people of God from generation to generation. Said simply, worship has always been central for the people of God. We have the book of Psalms, right? The the hymn book for the people of God. And in that, we see the spectrum of expressions of worship. And we see the spectrum of emotions. We see see rejoicing, grieving, lamenting, dancing, celebration, repenting, petitioning, and on and on and on. And so we're reminded as we go to God's word that the people of God have always been a people who worship. And therefore we join centuries and centuries and generations after generations of Jesus followers as we worship our Lord. So as just a reminder, when I use the word worship in this series, I am referring to our intentional expressions of praise. So let's uh, review, let's see if you've got your Hebrew down after last week. The first word was yada, say that with me, yada. This is the hands of praise, and if you remember, it means to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands, to throw a stone or arrow. And this is like those moments for me when I'm so overwhelmed, much like in that last song that we just sang, holy, holy. You can't help but when you sing that, just shoot your hands up in adoration. That is yada. The next word we learned, if you weren't here last week, you missed it because y'all were awesome. But we talked about the fools of praise. And this Hebrew word is halal. You want to try saying that? Halal. And this is the primary Hebrew word for praise, and it's where we get our word hallelujah. And it's that idea of to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish in the name of worshiping our God. I feel like at NYC 23, there was a lot of halal happening. Can I get an amen? Bring some of that here with you. Yeah, we want it. We ended last week by being reminded that God deserves our reverence, God deserves our awe, and God also deserves our celebration. 
So let's continue on with two new words this week. Our worship team is going to love this first one. The next word is zamar. Say that with me. Zamar. This is the music of praise. It simply means to make music, to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. This Hebrew word is used 41 times in the Old Testament. So based on that, I think we can say and acknowledge that the act of making music, the act of listening to music, is a significant part of our praise. Let's go to a place in the book of Psalms where this word is used. We're going to look at Psalm 144, verse 9. It says this, Hear the word of our Lord. I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your zamar with a ten-stringed harp. It's the word of our God. You know, I think this concept of the word zamar is embodying this. The act of making music, even without words, is worship. The act of making music, even without words, is worship. And I would take that a step further to say also our listening to music, even without words, is worship. And so when our instrumentalists, you know where you are, are jamming, they're worshiping. When our worship team is playing music and there's no words, they are leading us in zamar. And I I love that. Every morning when I get up and have my quiet time, which I'm, I'm up, my alarm goes off at 5.15 every morning. And so you can know between 5.15 and 6, this church is being prayed for by me. <laughs> but when I'm up, the first thing that I do is I go to YouTube and I have this channel on there. It's real cool. It's called Dappy T Keys. And it's all instrumental worship music. And so I listen to that as I pray and read God's word. Because it sets the tone, it does something about the space that I'm in, and it takes my living room and converts it into a place of worship. So music is spiritual, it's powerful, and it matters. This Hebrew word zamar compels our hearts to recognize that we can partake in the act of worship even when there are no words, or even when we don't know the words. Because music matters. I want to give some examples here. Because this is not just true in the faith sector. It's also true in the secular world. The secular industry, particularly Hollywood, understands the power of a good soundtrack. Let me prove my point. Cue the video. Anybody know? Maybe? Maybe. He froze. Oh, it's still going. It's frozen back there. Yeah. The Andy Griffith Show. Starring Andy Griffith. With Ronnie Howard. Also starring Don Knox. Here's another one for all you with kids. (laughs) 
See if you know this next one. I've never watched this, by the way, because I'm terrified just thinking about it. Got it? This is what nightmares are made of. From there, it got real dark. All right, everybody should know this one. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. It's just real gross without the music. It's like, why are we looking at this, right? I'm too much of a sissy. I'm like getting sick to my stomach watching that. <laughs> the power of a soundtrack, church. Right? Music matters. It's important. It shapes the experience that you're in. You know, the prophets in the Old Testament understood the power of a good soundtrack. This is one of my favorite examples in Scripture. Elisha, the prophet of God, and in 2 Kings 3, gives us an example of this. Here, here's what's happening in this story. The people of God are hearing talk once again that there is a coming attack from the surrounding nations, and they're unsure of what to do. So King Jehoshaphat, being the man of God that he is, suggests that they call for a prophet of God. They think that this prophet should cry out to God on their behalf and get them some direction. So, interesting to note, I think Elisha is not super excited about this. He's quite annoyed because the people of God have been disobedient once again. And I think you'll sense in his tone of voice that he's not super thrilled about stepping in to help. But listen to what Elisha does. Hear the word of our Lord. Why are you coming to me, Elisha asked the king of Israel. Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But King Joram of Israel said, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you. For my, except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now, bring me someone who can play the harp. 
while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord says, this dry valley will be filled with pools of water. The word of our Lord. Again, Elijah knew the power of a good soundtrack. He's like, listen, y'all, I'll help you, but first, I need some background music. Like, for this to go well, for my heart to be ready, for your hearts to be ready, bring me the harpist. He got it. He knew the power of music. Not only did it seem to facilitate his own hearing from the Lord before he gave the message from the Lord, I noted this, and this is in your notes. Music so often prepares the heart for the reality of an important message. There's no shock that for generation and generation after generation, Worship in song occurs prior to hearing the word of the Lord declared. I think there's a reason. And you'll see this as my journey with you unfolds. With very few exceptions, I, I almost refuse to preach if worship in song doesn't happen first. I need it. Lord, have mercy. I need it. And I know together as the people of God that it plays such a key role. It prepares me, it prepares the hearers, and I think it welcomes the spirit. Music is like a vehicle that carries our praises to God. It can soften our hearts, soothe our troubled souls, opens the door to the spiritual world, and it paves the road for the spirit's coming upon his people. So, music matters. Let me read this quote from Martin Luther. He said this, Next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. Beautiful music is the art of the prophets that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents God has given us. And I'm thankful for that. So, Zamar the music of praise. So worship team, we appreciate you. Amen. We appreciate your gifts, your time, and we just ask you to continually continue leading us into the throne room. <laughs> All right. The fourth Hebrew word. Are you ready for the next word? Yes. Miss Kay's ready. Pastor Mark is ready. The fourth Hebrew word that shapes and forms our praise is this. It looks like tau, but I'm told it's toda. You want to say it with me? Toda. I really want to say ta-da, but it's toda, the expectation of praise. And it simply means this, an extension of the hand, thanksgiving, a confession, a sacrifice of praise, Thanksgiving for things not yet received and a choir of worshipers. Again, this is an important Hebrew word that gives us a bigger picture of praise. I want to I read a psalm where it's used. This is Psalm 56, verses 11 and 12. You can see it on the screen. Hear the word of our Lord. 
In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render todah to you. The word of the Lord. You know, this word embodies this concept that in the midst of hard things, even though we're in the middle of a battle, of a trial, of a difficulty, we will lift up praises to our God. I'm going to share my own testimony of Todah with you, because uh, I, I, I feel like many of you can relate to this story. Pastor Mark and I, about two years ago, I think that's right, yes, two and a half years ago, found us in a situation where we were struggling to conceive. And man, that was an emotional roller coaster for me. <laughs> We just so happened about six months into our struggle to conceive, we had 21 days of prayer and fasting at our church. And let me tell you, as a pastor going through a season of drought and trying to lead your church through 21 days of prayer and fasting, I was so weary. I was so weary. But I knew out of faith that we were to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was a part of our rhythm at our church. So we did it even though I felt like I didn't want to. And let me tell you, every night we gathered as a church during that 21 days, every night at 6 p.m. we gathered to worship and pray. And as I look back on that season, I see that worship, lifting up praises, even when it's the last thing I wanted to do, helped me weather what felt like wave after wave of grief. It was in those nights of worship that I would lift my hands over and over again, refusing to lose faith. Have you been there? In a season where you're like, I do not know if I really have faith right now. I don't know that I believe God's going to come through. I don't know if I even think God is real right now. And praise is so powerful that when we intentionally choose to lift our hands to worship even when we feel all those things, it plays a role in shifting our hearts. So during that 21 days, I felt like every decision to praise in the midst of the pain, I could sense fresh faith filling me. It was like every night that I would choose to intentionally worship, I could make it through another month knowing I was probably going to get another negative pregnancy test. You know what I'm saying? Praise changed it. That is todah. That is being in the midst of a valley and finding the courage to worship anyways and letting your faith be filled Todah, as a Hebrew word, has kind of a double meaning. It means uh, hands lifted in thanksgiving. And it also means a sacrifice of praise for things not yet received. So todah is something we can do while we're waiting and once we've received. One of my favorite songs that relates to todah, if you got your Friday email, I sent it to you. It's called Praise Before 
the breakthrough. And it's this faithfulness that even while I'm waiting for God to come through, in faith, I will worship. In the midst of doubt, in the midst of fear, in the midst of questioning, in the midst of waiting, in the midst of grieving, in the midst of hoping, in the midst of dreaming, toda. We lift praises in the middle of the waiting. And this is the expectation of praise, where we lean on the reality that we know God to be faithful, even when that faithfulness is difficult to see. Is that resonating with anyone today? Have you found yourself there? I'm thankful that there's a word in scripture that embodies those very real struggles that we all feel. So if I could reference back to the first psalm that we read in relation to Zamar, Psalm 56, 11 through 12, the words of David there are quite appalling in context. It's said that this psalm was to be written after David was captured by the Philistines. So he was likely in captivity, and these are the words of Todah that he pinned. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? My vows made to you are binding, O God. I will render Todah to you. So we too might find ourselves in the place where we have to choose when we feel like we have nothing left to give to lift up praises and let that fuel our faith. It's the idea of lifting one's hands in praise before breakthrough. It's consistent in scripture and it embodies the essence of this psalm. This is Psalm 20, verse 7, and it says this. Hear the word of our Lord. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Amen? What's that verse saying? Well, it's saying while others find peace and hope in material human means, we boast, we rejoice, we declare faith in Jehovah Jireh the God who provides. Jehovah Nisi, the God who is our banner of victory over us. Jehovah Rapha, the God who is our healer. So others, when they're in situations that are trepidatious, they turn to human means of control to solve their problem. But we render Todah to the Lord and cry out, to our king. Amen? In the book that I'm referencing throughout this series, Holy Roar, there's a story of a man whose daughter went missing after a late night party. His pastor, I'm sure, really trying to extend compassion and empathy to this father said, I bet you are worried sick. Sounds like the right thing to say. I mean, that's what I would say. I bet you are worried sick. And the man looked at his pastor and said, I don't worry, I worship. This is Todah. When we turn our worries 
into fuel for our worship. And so I think Todah can be summarized in this way. This is in your notes. When we feel out of control, we worship the one who is in control. Amen? I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and prepare to lead us. And I hope we invite them with fresh appreciation and joy over what they're doing as they lead us in Zamar today. But the song that they're going to lead us in as an act of worship is really intentional. It's the song, I Lift My Hands by Chris Tomlin. And in Holy Roar, he tells the story of how this song came to be. The story goes like this. Chris Tomlin led worship under Louis Giglio at Passion City Church, if you're familiar with the Passion Movement led by Pastor Louis Giglio. Chris Tomlin was a worship leader there. And in 2009, Louis Giglio went through a really serious battle with anxiety. He would tell you that during 2009, every night at 2 a.m., he would wake up with crippling anxiety and struggle to sleep. And so through that battle, uh, Tomlin asked him how he was surviving, and, and Louis Giglio recounted this song that he was singing in the night. And that song became, I Lift My Hands. So this song that we're going to sing today is born out of a dark night of the soul, if you will, out of a season of anxiety and depression. And it's a song of Todah that even when I feel weary, empty, I'm doubting, I have questions, I'm choosing faith, and I'm choosing worship. In the midst of pain, in the midst of it all, we lift our hands in faith and in belief as a declaration of God's place in our lives. Amen? So I'm going to invite you to stand as I wrap up in prayer today. And as the worship team leads us, as our musicians zamar before us today, I just invite you to practice these Hebrew words of praise with me. Yada, throwing your hands up in awe. Halal, laying aside your inhibitions and just worshiping with all that you are. And Todah, if you find yourself in the middle of a valley, choosing deliberately to lift your hands in faith, even when it's